The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Yeah, guys, like I said, UFC 277 is coming up on Saturday. PGA, you got the Rocket Mortgage Classic, July 28th. That's at the Detroit Golf Club. Might not throw down a futures bet. Maybe play some uh, some parlays for the UFC t- uh, card. Uh, and best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 229 of the Big Show, some Enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Wednesday, hump day Wednesday. Almost there, folks. Weekend's coming. How's everybody doing? i got a very special guest for you guys today. Uh, it's uh, the head man himself, none other than AJ Galante. And... Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to AJ. We talked for almost, uh, I think about 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we talked about the, uh, upcoming Ice Wars 2 event at, uh, in Edmonton at the River Creek Casino, uh, pay per view on Fight TV, um, on August 6th. Uh, we talk about that. Of course, we talk about the first one that happened on May long weekend. And, um, yeah, and then just talk, uh, we kind of did a, uh, I asked, uh, people for, uh, if they had any questions for AJ, and I got a few, and, uh, it was kind of a last minute thing. I, I, uh, I kind of threw it out late in the afternoon, and, and basically it was like two hours or hour and a half before I got on the phone with them. So, um, I apologize for those questions that I missed from you guys, but I got a few in, and, uh, yeah, we just talked about some old Danbury stuff, and, uh, and I, and I think probably some questions, like I know AJ's made the rounds. He's been on every media outlet you could imagine. So, um, you know, I kind of want to do something, um, a little, a little original in terms of, uh, some of the questions asked. So, uh, I, and I think I did that and, uh, I want to, and I, and I appreciate everybody that took the time to, uh, to ask the questions and I hope I got them in for you. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I appreciate AJ taking the time. I know he's busy, uh, you know, a week out from the event and, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, his phone's probably, you know, ringing off the hook constantly. And, uh, and so the fact that he took, uh, time out for, uh, for the fourth line voice, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. So, uh, but before we get into that, um, yeah, I just, uh, 
I guess we've got to talk to sponsors first, right? Like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And for my off-network friends, of course, I've got Alec over there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, he's a little busy right now house hunting and everything else and uh, still waiting for his lumber from Lowe's. Uh, I've said that for a couple episodes now. What do you mean? Yeah, it's an inside joke between Alec and I, but he probably still is waiting for his lumber from Lowe's. Um, <laughs> but uh, I know it's been uh, been a little bit of time since his, his last episode, and I know he wants to become uh, do it a little more regularly, obviously. But uh, you know, just life is getting in the way right now. But but in the meantime, he ha- he does have a tremendous back catalog. I always say it pains me to say that, but he does. No, Frank Bailoas, Rob Ray, Jason Rushton, uh, Jason Renard, uh, on and on. Um, also, if, you, if you're on YouTube, well, if you're on YouTube, everyone's on YouTube. When you're on YouTube, go to the Five for Fighting podcast, or podcast, Five for Fighting YouTube channel. And uh, he actually, he started it at the beginning of this year. No, when was it? Last year? It was last year, but he, he, he started uploading this past season's East Coast League fights on there. And, and it was a strong year for the East Coast League. Like I said, I'm not a, I don't watch anymore and that stuff, but I know I did, uh, I did enjoy some of the tilts from the East Coast League this past season. Uh, some tough kids in that league. And, uh, Alec captured it all, put it on his channel. So definitely check it out. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Uh, I always say it's, it might not be a big deal to you. And you're like, yeah, whatever. I just watched it. And, yeah, yeah, but just hit the subscribe button. Tr- Please, as a creator, it's a big deal. It helps us out. We're trying to get Alec to a thousand subscribers, so anything you guys can do is greatly appreciated. And while you're on YouTube, bounce on over to the Fourth Line Voice channel. I have over 2,500 fights on my channel. All the uh, every league, whatever league you're looking for, everything's sorted. Just type in NHL, AHL, WHL, whatever, and uh, boom, they'll all come up. So, and uh, and again, while you're there, if you could hit the subscribe button, I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, also, whatever platform you're listening to this on, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're listening to, if you could rate and review my show and Alex's show and whatever show you're listening to. Um, Again, as creators, it helps us out in the searches. And uh, it's the little things uh, that listeners can do that it takes, you know, 10 seconds. And uh, it is a big deal to, to the podcaster. So, uh, yeah, anything you guys can do is uh, greatly appreciated. But, uh, yeah, guys, um, I hope everybody went back. And, uh, like I said, we do this twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. And, uh, had some pretty, uh, had some pretty strong guests the last couple of weeks. From, uh, David Siegel to Alex Penner to Mike Segroy to, uh, Ice Wars 2 competitor, uh, Travis Check. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, and also just from the back catalog in general, I've had John Morass, Dion, Steve McIntyre, Josh Mazur, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, on and on, go through the back catalog, Wade Brookbank, yeah, they're all there, um, Brad Wingfeld, um, yeah, I, I encourage you to check out the back catalog if you are new to the program, um, the last episode I put out, uh, was uh, just me ranting and raving in my basement, but uh, it was uh, it, it concluded with the top eight Buffalo Sabers enforcers of all time, and the list has created a little bit of a stir. It's not my list; it's a list that was sent to me, and I did over the air. And uh, uh, I encourage you uh, <laughs> to go back and give it a listen, and uh, let me know what you think of the list. I've I've heard from a few folks. Um, but those, I always enjoy doing the list. Those are, that's, that's always a good time. But, um, yeah. 
Other than that, uh, I won't talk too long today. Like I said, AJ is the star of the show and uh, nobody's tuning in to listen to me. So, um, as I said, folks, Ice Wars 2, Edmonton, Alberta at the River Creek Casino, August 6th on Fight TV pay-per-view. 20 bucks. Hey, 20 bucks. Come on. We all got $20. Get a couple of the boys together and some beers. Sit in the basement. Cheer it on. It's going to have a lightweight tournament. Um, a number of single bouts, including... The main event bout that will feature the previous tournament champion, Daniel Amesbury, versus the Cowboy, Curtis Swanson. And I think that's going to be a, a doozy of a matchup, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Um, I, I was there live for the first Ice Wars. I am going to be there live again for the second one, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I always enjoy going to Edmonton regardless, but... Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this one. So um, I hope to see you guys there. And uh, in the meantime, I guess we got another week. So what? One, two, three. We have two episodes to go, and then uh, then I'll be out in Edmonton. So uh, we'll see. I have a couple uh, couple cats that I want to talk to. Um, I'm hoping to get a couple more competitors on before the event. But uh, other than that, guys, I really hope you support it. And uh, like I said, this, this was a fun interview with AJ. I want to thank him again for taking the time to come on. And, uh, yeah, guys, um, like I always say, I know there's a million podcasts out there, and the fact that you chose to listen to the Fourth Land Voice, I greatly appreciate it, believe me. And, uh, yeah, can't thank you guys enough. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we do it every Wednesday and Sunday, so I'll talk to you guys in a few days. But hey, here we go. Here's my interview with AJ Galante. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here on the fourth line voice, I got the uh, the main man, the CEO of Ice Wars, AJ Galante. AJ, how you doing today? Doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for coming on. Well, here we are, just a week away from uh, from the second uh, Ice Wars, and uh, how you feeling? How's that, how's everything shaping up? Good, you know. I mean, listen. I, it's, these events, I think. I think any event in life, it's all. It's always stressful as you get closer, and um, you know, lots of moving parts. And um, really looking forward to it. I mean, uh, you know, our first show. You know, obviously, our first show. It's it's never going to go perfect, but uh, overall, it went well. And you know, it, the the pressure's on. You know, it, the pressure's on the repeat show because you know, I don't think a lot of people were expecting much the first show. I think we did a good job bringing some, you know, fun entertainment and some good fights. And now people are expecting a show, you know. So the second show is obviously a little more pressure, and um, we're looking forward to it. I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah, like in terms of in terms of the first one, um, you know, you're on pay per view and everything else. Um, how did everything go with like the fight TV and with the venue, the river? I mean, well, obviously the venue was okay. You're going back to it a second time, but just in, in general, was that everything kind of, as you said, there's always speed bumps, but, uh, but overall, were you happy with the results of the first one? Gotta be honest with you. I, I honestly expected a lot more hiccups for the first show than we actually had. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty tough critic and, and especially when I'm involved personally with something, no matter in what capacity I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist and I'm never really satisfied. And obviously there's a ton of things that we're looking to adjust and make better. But uh, I got to tell you for a first show for, um, you know, again, like we've talked about, I mean, this has been done, you know, before in 05 and stuff, but you know, it, it's basically a new thing. And I got to be honest, I was pretty satisfied overall. 
especially for our first show. And, um, you know, we got a great team and all the guys who, who competed were great. And like you said, it just puts, we, we set a good bar for the first show and, and hopefully we have to meet that bar and or exceed it, you know, next week. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, as far, as far as like, um, well, I mean, I'll ask it and we'll get into the origin of it here, but, uh, in terms of just, uh, you know, getting the fighters this time around, of course, we're having, you know, the lightweight tournament, whereas the first one was the heavyweight and stuff. Um, how, uh, did you get a lot of, uh, I guess what we call it resumes, I suppose. Um, how, what's the feedback been between the second one and the first one? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, that, we, and, and you know, Darren, we talked about it. I mean, going into the first show, you know, when I, when I kind of, um, got myself involved with, um, you know, hockey enforcers was, you know, the, the first, you know, the originators in, in 05 and, you know, they gave me kind of creative and, you know, I switched it over to ice wars and everything else. And, you know, one of the biggest, you know, when I was going back and forth on my decision, Hey, do I, you know, do I go through with this? Do I get involved? Do I not? You know, one of the biggest things I was concerned about was exactly what we talked about before you and me is who wants to do this. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you know, obviously this isn't hockey, but you know, our main, our main source of uh, talent, you know, is going to be hockey fighters, you know, hockey players, obviously. And, um, I was a little concerned. We, we, we had a, we, we thankfully had a, um, a good group of guys for the, you know, a good crop of guys for our first show who obviously we're going to continue to look to bring guys back. And, you know, some guys might sit out a show or two, but I, you know, you want to, you want fans to be, um, kind of interested in seeing the similar faces and matchups, fantasy matchups and stuff. But, um, I got to tell you the minute this first show ended, you know, the next day, I would say our, our, our applications, I guess they just, they quadrupled. I mean, um, so many people across the world even um we had a fighter from believe it or not i don't even know they played hockey out there i think it was thailand or something so a guy reached out to me i mean um this is really you know for its infant stages it's it's the word has gotten out and um yeah i mean i would say tripled or quadrupled our our uh applications from the first one well, that's excellent. And, uh, yeah, and like in terms of, the, I never actually, until you mentioned it. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, you're having a lot of the guys, you know, back from the first one. Um, going forward, as you, as you keep going forward, um, is there sort like, say a guy, uh, yeah, I won't throw out names, but I mean, if a guy loses, say two or three at that point, is it kind of like, yeah, you know, thanks, you know, kind of like, you know, thanks for everything and, see you later and like we're going to move on from you or is it have you kind of got into that yet like how are we going to do this and um yeah i mean yeah i mean it's it's a great question i mean here's the thing i mean i i'm 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 still in the business i i've been in the boxing business you know professional boxing um advisor manager promoter whatever you want to call me i I've, I've been in, i've been in boxing now jesus over 11 years and uh one of the great faults of boxing is um you know, a lot of the boxers you see on TV, you know, it's padded records. They may be undefeated, but they haven't fought anybody. They're not entertaining. Um, to me, Ice Wars is all about giving a guy a spotlight that normally wouldn't get one. Uh, you know, I'm all about the underdog. Um, and really, it's how they perform. I mean, there were some guys that lost on our first show that I thought they 
you know, what they put into it is what we'll put into them. And, you know, look, they could lose two, three straight. And, um, but if we feel they're trying, if they're putting on a good show, it, it's really records are obviously important. Everyone's looking to win, but records, you know, are really secondary to what fans want to see and the, you know, the entertainment factor. And, you know, it'll take us a, fir- you know, it'll take us a few shows to kind of identify who could be regulars, who may not be able to, but it's really not about the records. I mean, unless a guy goes out there and is not looking to try, then, you know, then we'll have some issues. But, no, nah, man, I, to me it's all about the entertainment, you know, who's giving it their all, who's looking to win. Um, you know, we came out, I, I came out with like a uh, point ranking system, you know, where, you know, you, you get points. It's, it's, it's not like boxing where guys get ranked and you don't even know how they got that rating. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to simplify it. We're trying to make it fun. And there's a lot of, um, incentive based, um, you know, things with, with our promotion that, you know, try to get guys going and making sure they're going to give it their all for, you know, the people that are paying hard earned money to watch this or, or come to the venue to watch it live. No, absolutely. Like, yeah, exactly. It's all about entertainment, right? So, no, I hear you. And, uh, and the characters and, uh, no, for sure. Um, yeah, in terms of like, as the event goes, I mean, I mean, I don't know how to word this. How, how big, do, like, I mean, I know each, so far, both shows are going to have tournaments on it and then a bunch of single bouts. How, is there, I mean, how big do you want to go per show? Is there a certain, okay, we're going to have this many single fights, we're going to do this tournament? I mean, I'm assuming there's a pay-per-view kind of time limit that you have to fall within, I would assume. Um, yeah. Yeah, is there, how does that all work? Like, how did you set all that up? Yeah, in no, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and I'll be as, as, as transparent and blunt as possible. I don't really have a super long-term plan with, you know, where I'm going to kind of take it event by event, yeah. And really, um, you know, what we decide, and, and that, because we are so new, Darren, as you know, it, just like any business, you know, you, you kind of, especially in the beginning stages, you you see what works, you see what don't, doesn't work, and you make the tweaks. I mean, when we went, put it this way, when we went into the first show, um, technically on paper, we only had two weight classes, all right? So we had heavyweight, which was... Uh, 200 pounds and up, and then we had a cruiserweight, 199 and down. And then, because of a lot of different reasons, we ended up going from two weight classes to actually five. So we actually have a lightweight class. Um, I don't believe we have – we don't have any lightweight guys for this show, but we have um, a lightweight, middleweight, cruiserweight, heavyweight, super heavyweight. So I don't want to get like boxing where we have 37 different weight classes, but because of the applicants – because of the feedback I got from the guys. And, you know, you got guys that um, are tweeners that could probably do two weight classes if they had to. So for a lot of different reasons, we expanded on paper to five weight classes. And, um, you know, between the point ranking system, the tournaments, you know, really the first five shows will kind of be trying to center it around one tournament style where we're crowning a king in each division. And then, like you said, doing some single matches where there'll be some ranking points that might set up for future shows or tournaments and uh, kind of set up fantasy matchups and uh, maybe less, you know, like our main event this coming uh, next week is um, I, I'm super excited for it. You know, yeah. Diamond Hands, Daniel Amesbury, and of course the ageless wonder Curtis Swanson. I mean, that's could have been the fight. That could have been the finals of our first show. Um, 
you know, that, and, you know, a lot of people had questions. Hey, you know, I think Swanson kind of edged uh, Justin Sawyer. He should have been in the finals. And, um, you know, a lot of people thought he'd give Amesbury a lot of trouble. And, you know, what? I thought about it. I'm like, listen, maybe they're right. So let's, let's answer that unanswered question. And, uh, you know, both guys will have a full tank of gas. They, they wouldn't be fighting earlier in the show. So it's a very intriguing matchup. And, as each event goes on, you're going to run into those type of storylines. And, um, you know, that's where you can make some cool marquee matchups. And, uh, even if they're single bouts. No, absolutely. Um, why don't we, like you said, we talked about it off air a little bit. And I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if you have to expose everything or anything, but I'll have to throw it out in terms of, um, just, just dealing with, cause I know in the first event back in 05, they had a lot of trouble or, you know, battling with commissions and that type of thing. How has your, uh, dealings with the Alberta Commission been? And, and just in general, um, I mean, I'm sure you've obviously been a boxing guy. You've dealt with commissions before. I mean, just shopping the Ice Wars event around. I'm obviously to the states and to different provinces. Has it been, what's there, what's there been the commission sort of, if there's been any stumbling blocks, what have they been, or have they been pretty receptive to you, or is it like, what the hell is this? And no, don't don't phone us again. Like, what's been the yeah, reception been like? Yeah, yeah, and and again, going back to what I said originally when when I first um, was getting involved with with this possibility, of being involved with this, you know, that was one of um, what that was another question I had is Jesus. I mean, are we going to get approved anywhere? You know what I mean? And. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of our partners that, that was part of the original, you know, event in 05, you know, had some connections with the River Creek Casino, and um, they were super receptive. And, uh, you know, like you said, I, I dealt with a lot of commissions through boxing, especially obviously in the in the states, you know, where I'm in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, we, we, it's it's a work in process. I mean, we, we, we're already kind of verbally approved in, in some states already in the U.S., and... Um, you know, even in Canada, there's some other areas as well. Obviously, um, you know, certain reserves, but even just regular commissions. And, you know, I, you know what it is? It's, I just think it's one of those things where people kind of just want to see how it plays out. I think people saw our first show and, you know, we, we, we took care of the guys. You know, we did everything, you know, you know, the, the right way, every, you know, with medicals and everything like that. So I just think it's going to be a matter of time where, you know, as we get more sample sizing of our shows and, and show, hey, you know, limits and injuries and anything like that, I, I just think as we continue to grow and show that we're for real and earn the trust of, you know, not just the fans, but also, you know, the commissions, I think um, it'll be a lot easier to travel a lot more. But, you know, there are a lot of places, especially outside of North America, that we're interested, you know, after the first show, too. So it's going to be interesting. We, we definitely are looking to you know, move it around and, and, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll keep having success. No, absolutely. Well, and like you said, when you're dealing with these commissions at the same time, you're presenting them a whole new thing. Like they're probably like, it's, it, what is this oh, now? Yeah, I mean, like you want to do, no, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, I mean, and I, I, you were there the first show. It was so funny when, when, uh, when we got there before the show even began, um, it was eerily like, awkward in there because i think a lot of the fans didn't even know what to expect that's how new we are yeah. and um it's just one of those things where people just even sponsors were you know so many people when you explain it to them it sounds like a cool concept but it was hard for people to wrap their heads around exactly what we were looking to do and um 
you know, like I said, we, we had a, a pretty good first show. And like I said, after next week, I think um, we'll just continue like any other business, build our portfolio. And, and hopefully in time, we, we knock a lot of these events out and people are going to be more receptive to uh, do more with us. Well, yeah, and it was funny as you bring that up. Uh, I was talking to a guy today when I said, I'm going to have you on. Do you have any questions or whatever? He was even saying about the vibe that he gets from this from this show uh, or from the first show. He goes, it was sort of like, he goes, do you remember when like UFC first came out? And it was absolutely. And he goes, that's what I felt when I watched this. It's like, yeah, what, what are we doing here? What is this? You know? No, do one million percent. And and it's funny because um, you know our pay per view distributor fight. Um, one of the guys I work with very closely. He, he's an older gentleman, great guy. I actually know him through boxing as well. He was actually involved with the uh, infant stages of UFC. And he said, you know, I got to tell you, I'm not saying it'll ever get to that level, but you guys for your first show compared to the UFC's first show, he says, I think you guys had an edge overall. And um, like I said, it's going to take a lot of time. You know, you know, the presentation is going to, you know, every show has to get a little better. And, you know, before you know it, God willing, we're five, six, seven, eight shows in, and it's, you know, you're going to look back at the first one and be like, wow, it's a totally different thing, you know, even from the first one. So that's really the goal. And, um, yeah, I would agree with your buddy. I think it had, like, kind of like a wild uh, outlaw type of feel to it. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, I was shocked at the reception, you know, especially on social media. Um, you know, you know, listen, you do anything in life, especially something new, it's going to be 50-50. One person's going to love it, one will hate it. But I got to tell you, we we have a lot of researchers. I would say it was like 80% positive. And uh, I was actually shocked at that, to be honest with you. I, I couldn't get over how many people seem to uh, truly enjoy it. So, like I said, the pressure is definitely on to, um, you know, knock this one out of the park next week. Yeah, like I was kind of thinking, yeah, it's got that early UFC kind of like, I don't know, it's like kind of that gritty underground fight club kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. And it's like kind of a, like you're watching it kind of like this culty thing, like it's like, okay, like you're watching it, like it's like something you're not supposed to see, right? And it's like, and, and you're in on <laughs> yeah. the ground floor and you have this, you know what I mean? It's like this unique thing and it's... uh Well, you know, I got to tell you, that makes me feel good that that's the interpretation because that's kind of the feel we were going for. And yeah. I said, look, we got to bring back that 90s, like the 1990s feel, you know, like... um you know, just that gritty underground type of thing and uh, work our way up, hopefully, to something as we grow. Because, you know, you, you, you couldn't have put the first few shows in, like, a huge arena or something. You know what I mean? You have yeah. to do it small and then build your way up and let these people see that we're going to be consistent. And, you know, they start they start investing in some of these fighters and the characters and everything. And, uh no, I 100% couldn't agree with that analogy anymore. Well, I was going to say, you're an old wrestling fan. You know what it did? It had an ECW vibe. That's what it had. Yes, sir. Thank yeah. you. Well, listen, you're making me feel really smart right now because <laughs> when I got into this, I said, look, we have to have this, like, I want people to leave our events, you know, feeling like, hey, I just was in, like, a 1990s, like, you know, straight to move, straight to VHS movie, like an arcade feel, you know, and... uh you know, it, it's it's that's that's great, but uh, yeah, like I said, you know, we, we're definitely each show out. We gotta find a new wrinkle to improve on, and before you know it, you'll be a few shows in, and the first one will look like a total different world. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like you said, you brought up the critics and stuff. And yeah, you're right. Like I was waiting for it just to get shit on too. And, uh, Me too. And, yeah. And I mean, it did in some parts. I mean, there's always that sure. guy. There's always going to be that guy. But I mean, and I mean, in terms of, um, you know, the media, um, and I did see a few guys say, and what, what would your answer to them be? Like when they kind of give it this, their big standard thing is, Oh, this is a disgrace to hockey. Like this is, yeah. You know what? What's your answer to someone that says this to you? Well, my well, my answer, and I've dealt with it a few times, yeah. is um, and I'm gonna mem- I'm gonna memorize this at one point. But if you look at the Merriam-Webster dictionary's definition of hockey, we have nothing to do with hockey. We are a we are basically a brand new combat sport. Now, is it right now hockey players? Yes. Is it hockey gear? Yes. But let me ask you. If I put NASCAR drivers in their full NASCAR race car gears, their helmets, their suits, and they're outside playing basketball, are they NASCAR drivers or are they playing basketball? You know what I mean? Yep. So I get it. and But the reality is we are not hockey. And um, like I said, Google, Google it when you're done. Look at the definition. There's literally nothing in it, what's required to play hockey. We, we exhibit none of that. So – Yes. Is it hockey players? Yes. But going back to what you said, um, after our first show, when I tell you the list of applicants we got from combat sport athletes, boxers, MMA fighters, guys who don't play hockey, they're interested in competing. They have, you know, they can skate. They may have hockey experience, but they're not, you know, we got a guy on the show next week from Edmonton, uh, Blake Anderson, shaken Blake, his nickname is he's two and oh, as a professional boxer. He played hockey a long time ago, obviously naturally being from Edmonton, but he's a professional boxer. Um, he has nothing to do with hockey, so we're not hockey. So, you know, and, and look, I, I'm, I'm not stupid. I understand why people confuse it, but we got nothing to do with hockey. Yeah. Have you had any, I mean, it's, it's when it's the media, you know, and those, you know, little nerd, pencil pusher nerds that are saying it, you know, whatever. But have you actually had, yeah. uh, like, any, like, hockey player like any like hockey name hockey guy get a hold of you and be like, what are you doing? Have, has that ever happened? The, the, the exact opposite. I mean, yeah. I'm a loyal guy, and I know they have to be. Uh, you know, I, they can't put the. Listen, let me put it to you this way: there's current players and past players, big time players, NHL guys that absolutely love this. They can't obviously, for a lot of reasons, endorse it or post it on their social medias. But trust me. There is a lot of guys, uh, there's a lot of top guys playing right now that, um, that are ordering the pay-per-view and, and, and they love it. So, and I understand it, it's politics and, and they're not, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get an, a current NHL guy, even, you know, even, even previous guys at this point, if they're still involved in the game in any capacity, they're not going to be able to go out there and put their neck on the line and say, this is awesome. But believe me when I tell you, there, I, there is, there is dozens of guys have reached out to me who who think this is this is pretty cool, and they get it too. They say, yeah, this isn't hockey. And um, to be honest with you, I've a lot of people that I know who watch this, who you know are in the boxing world, friends of mine through boxing, who never watched hockey a day in their life. You know what they did the next few days? They started watching hockey as the playoffs was going on. Yep. So in a freak way. It's kind of attracted people that would have never watched hockey in the first place to kind of watch it and pick it up. So, 
you know, it, it, it's, 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 it, it, it goes both ways. Yeah. Well, I know what the first one, I won't throw out his name, but I know there was a current Philadelphia Flyer that was there and he was loving it in person. I know that. So. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yo, God bless him. He, he wasn't afraid to go out there, but trust me when I tell you, there is a lot of guys out there that are, that are loving it. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? Again, and and again, the, the reality is the reality. I mean, there's opinions and then there's facts. I mean, the fact is we are not hockey. And right now, obviously, the pool of talent we have are predominantly somewhat previous hockey, you know, players, not really current guys. We do have some current guys, but listen, they um, this is this just it's just not hockey. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, well, you've said it a couple times where you said it was presented to you. Um, um, how did I mean, I guess we have to do the origin. I mean, in terms of, I mean, we know enforcers back in 05 at Prince George, and there was the uh, Ice Warriors in Finland, um, that event. And then how was it presented? To, like, I thought you were the, like, who created this Ice Wars? Or who brought, somebody brought it to you? Like, how, how did it all happen? Yeah, so, you know, like you said, it, it's funny how the, how, how the world just turns. I remember in 2005 when... It was our second year, the Trashers. Um, I remember guys like John Morassi, Brad Wingfield, a couple of the other tougher guys we had, Frank Bialois. I remember it started to circulate in our locker room um, in early 2005, like, hey, did you hear they're doing this like hockey fight tournament up in Canada? And I remember hearing about it even back then. And, um, and then, unfortunately, in the summer of 05, we, 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 you know, summer of 06, excuse me, we, you know, we ended up losing the team and... Um, yeah, they, they ended up having the event. You know, obviously I lost track of everything. And um, so that group, you know, the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers, you know, some of the members of that group, uh, namely Charlie Nama, um, you know, reached out to me, you know, back this past November. Um, you know, he had seen the documentary on Netflix and, you know, he had been trying to bring this back for some time. And, you know, you know, like anything else, there's hurdles and sometimes it's just not the right timing. And, he drove down to meet with me here in Danbury at my boxing gym and, um, you know, kind of laid it all out for me, what he was looking to do. And I remember the old, you know, I remember, I think it was 06 cause it was the summer of 06 actually. And, and I just remember the event and I said, listen, I said, um, I love to be involved. I think it's a good fit for myself, especially being in the boxing business and marketing and everything else. I said, I just, you know, would like as much creative as possible. And, and he agreed and, that's kind of when I came up with the Ice Wars name and everything else, and yeah, we got a great team. And and but that's really how it how it came about is um you know the, the original group from the Battle of the Hockey Enforcers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good to have them as a sounding board, right? Because I mean, like you said, like we were saying before, the the hurdles they had to climb and some of the pitfalls that they had. Because I know it was supposed to be Absolutely. in like three different places, and they kept having fights at the commission. And it was supposed to be in Winnipeg, and it was supposed to be somewhere else, and then ended up in Prince yeah. George and. Um, actually I have the original lineup of guys that was supposed to be in that tournament. I'll, I'll send it to you after you'll have a, you'll get a kick out of it. When oh you first, yeah. When you and, see it. And, and, yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, I actually, you know, I know that events on YouTube. So I remember after I met with him, I actually, I watched the whole event and, um, I thought there was some cool, you know, especially at the time, I mean, early two thousands, it was a revolutionary thing. So I oh, thought yeah. it was awesome. And, and, uh, you know, Listen, I, you know, like everything else, I took notes, things I liked, things I didn't like, you know, things we can try, and, um, you know, here we are. 
Well, that was the thing. Yeah, like I can remember when it first came out, and I mean, we're all on the message boards, all us little fight geeks, and we're all sitting there talking like, this is everything we've ever wanted. Like, we always had the fantasy <laughs> yeah. matchups, and I can't believe they're actually doing an actual fight tournament. Like, because we'd always use, oh, Probert versus Twist, and, you know, and you do all the fight yep. fantasy oh, yeah. stuff, but all of a sudden it was like, here it is, come to life, and we couldn't believe it. I remember a whole bunch of us got over to a house, we watched it on pay-per-view, and my my pick That's of Link awesome. Gates didn't pan out, but uh, you know, <laughs> I was pumped to see Dean win it anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, Dean, Greg, no, but you know, like you said, I mean, listen, I grew up when I grew up with hockey. It was those type of characters that got me into the sport, you know. And um, you know, like you said, I remember the message boards. I remember yep. the UHL message board, and and I just remember all you know these fantasy matchups and. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool, and like I said, hopefully in time with Ice Wars, after a few events where, you know, the audience gets to see certain guys, you know, uh, over time they can start saying, "Hey, I want to see this one versus that one," and we want to listen to the fans, just like you know, my father and I did with the trashes. We listen to the fans and we try to give everyone what they're looking for. Well, speaking of that, what did Dad think of the first one? Oh, he liked it a lot. I mean, he um. You know, like I said, he he's everything I do. He's involved with as well. He's kind of you know I, I I always bounce ideas off him and vice versa. And um, he really enjoyed it. He actually he he actually um, and it's funny. He actually was rooting for Cowboy Curtis Swanson. He he liked him. He thought he was cool that he was a little older. And uh, I kind of gave him the backstory on a lot of the guys. And you know. I put him on the phone with Amesbury after he won and uh he really likes him and uh you know it's 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 fun to get him involved and, and get his ideas and um you know he, he, he seemed to enjoy it a lot and I like to keep him updated with what's going on and what to look for and it, it's it's been great. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, hey, do you have time for a few questions? I know I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's do it. All right. Well, I got some questions. Well, of course, the first big one I got to start with, of course, everybody, you got to ask him, when's Ice Wars coming to the United States? <laughs> well, like I said, you know what? I, I'm trying as of right now to just take it one event at, the, at a time, but I will say that our third one, God willing, will probably be in the uh, good old USA. Just not not entirely sure when or where, but it's definitely um, being circulated internally right now. It, I'm telling you, folks, it, AJ wants to fuel up on them Tim bits. He ain't coming down there. He's coming back up here. No, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I liked it, man. I, I, I was joking with someone at that River Creek Casino. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, I eat Chinese food once a week. That Chinese restaurant they got in there, I had the greatest egg roll of my life. So that was part of my... Part of my motivation to try to get back there for that, I, I need another one of those egg rolls this time around. So no, and those Timbits, they they were they were worth the hype for sure. <laughs> yeah, they're very cream, man. That's a nice place. I, I I dig that place. No, me too. And I was I was surprised how you know on the inside, you know, it was my first time in Canada as a whole, and you know uh, you don't know what to expect. And the casino was was gorgeous. Everyone was so good to us. The hospitality. So yeah. Right on, right on. Well, that's good to hear. Um, well, in terms of, I got, I got a bunch of Danbury questions, obviously. I mean, I know it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, like you said, 20 years now, but it's, uh, you know, it's the thing that will never die. I mean, especially after, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, and then we, of course we, like we were talking off air when the documentary came out, I mean, obviously it introduced the trashers to a whole new audience of people. Um, were yeah. you overall, were you happy with the way the documentary turned out? I couldn't be more happy. I mean, I definitely, I mean, the, the guys that produced, you know, the way brothers who produced the documentary for Netflix, I mean, uh, 
great guys, um, honest, kept us involved. You know, um, you know, we were talking daily for like two years when this thing was being made, you know, and, um, I, I it was so accurate that it was eerie that, you know, cause a lot of times with documentary or even scripted films, especially, you know, there's some embellishments or, oh, yeah. you know, some, you know, well, creative, ed- creative you, editing. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> but I got to tell you truthfully, other than a few little minor things that if you were involved, you might notice. I mean, it was so accurate. It was, it was actually unbelievable. So I, I was really happy with it. Excellent. Um, well, now in terms of actual back in your day when you were the GM and the teams playing and everything else, um, I had a couple. I had a Quad City Mallards fan ask me this old Jay there, my boy Jay. He wanted me to ask you about the story of your dad, Frank Littlejohn, and Brian Curran. Do you remember this? Oh, when he talked to him in the handshake after the eliminated Quad City. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Oh boy, well. Frank Littlejohn was funny because uh, when we first started the Trashers, I mean, before we even had a season and, and uh, you know, we, we were in our infant stages of planning the team and, you know, Brad Wingfield, you know, that's one thing about the documentary, you know, on paper, our first person we ever signed was actually Brad Wingfield. It wasn't Brent Gretzky. Brent Gretzky was really the first one we introduced, obviously for marketing purposes and, and uh, all that. We started we started with the toughness right away. And actually, remember Brad telling us, listen, this Frank Littlejohn's a tough guy. He could play. We should try to get him. And, uh, you know, we didn't get him. But uh, I remember when he got traded to Quad I think he got traded to Quad City the second year he signed with them, whatever the case may be. And uh, I remember, um, you know, me and my dad kind of messing with Littlejohn. I think it was game seven of the, uh, you know, I think it was the first round there. And they, they pushed us to game seven. It was scary. We were at home, and during the warm-ups, we were always messing with guys. And I remember uh, we were us telling Little John, hey, third time's a charm. We're going to get you next year to play for us and this and that. And uh, I think Coach took it the wrong way and um, – I guess Little John had a bad game or whatever, and I think they thought some sort of fix was in, but uh, it was just our time. Yeah, okay. I think I heard like Curran and Little John got into it on the bus or something after because he was. Accused. Well, I did. I you know I did hear some rumblings about that as well, and uh, I didn't personally see it or hear it, but I did hear some rumblings about it. So God, Lord only knows. Yeah, I think Little John was on my friend's podcast. I think he told that story, and uh, yeah, I think him and Curran got into it on the bus or something. But uh, yeah, oh man, that was a that was an that, I got to tell you that was an intense series, and, and uh, Quad City. I mean, they just for whatever the reason, the, the, those two seasons they always you know we didn't play them a lot, obviously different different conferences, but they were always tough and had a great fan base. Yeah, they did. Well, yeah, I mean, legendary. Yeah, absolutely, legendary minor league town. Um, oh yeah, I know you're always kind of ch- obviously one of the tough guys, or one guy gets suspended, you'd get another guy or whatever. Was there anybody when you were trying to sign that got away that you wanted, like a name tough guy, like you know, even when the strike was on, was there a big name that you're trying <laughs> to and you couldn't get? You almost got him, but you well, didn't. Well, yeah, I could tell you when when the when the NHL strike that our first season when it became official that it was you know because the beginning of the year they started on strike and then you know there was some hope but it ended up being a full season when the full when it came down that hey listen it's a full season strike 
I mean, listen, like we talked about, I mean, uh, guys like us, I went full video game mode. I mean, we ended up getting Steve and Pete for yep. a few games. Um, and listen, we went for it. I, we tried, listen, even if it was for one game, I was trying so hard. We were going after Georges Larac and, uh, Donald Brashear. And we, Georges, I don't think he, didn't want and I joked with him because I actually did his radio show months ago and we joked about it and uh he I don't know it never but Brashear it came close he ended up playing in the Quebec League that yeah. second half of the year of the strike and yep. it was down to us and whoever that team he ended up playing for and uh I think we just got outbid but it was close we came really close to Donald Brashear which you know would have been for 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 Netflix documentary sake would have been unreal to have um and also I think I think the hardcore fan might be upset with me but we almost got Sean Avery as well and uh he was playing for Motor City during the strike and um you know Motor City wasn't making the playoffs and and listen my job as a GM is you know I don't care if they play in the NHL or not my job is to try to put the best team on the ice and uh I know Sean Avery was looking to get traded at the deadline because he wasn't. You know, that's one thing I respect about Sean Avery is a lot of these NHL guys, they were coming, they were just skating around. But him and Mike Rupp were taking it serious, and that's why I liked Sean Avery. He was taking this like it was the NHL, and he wanted to get traded at the deadline because Motor City wasn't going anywhere. And we made a run for him. It just didn't happen. But uh, it actually was probably for – it was probably the best for him that he never came to Danbury because Lord knows what could have happened here. That would have been something. Yeah, Avery and Danbury, that would have been something. Um, that that would have probably been bad for him, so I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for him that he, it didn't work out. Now, I can remember reading the stories back then in in the moment and everything, And but what was it like when you guys wandered in in that second year into like the league meetings? Because, I mean, you guys had to be Darth Vader coming in there. Were were the other teams, like, constantly whining about you guys and crying to you about or crying to the commissioner and stuff? I mean, I know in the documentary, the commissioner there, he's trying to babyface it a little bit. Like, oh, no, we had our problems, but it's all cool. He had to have hated <laughs> you back then. And, I mean, you know, and I, mean, I think he referenced that he didn't like you guys. But, I mean, um, overall, what was the, like, at the league meeting, what was that like? Well, I'll tell you what it was like. I have no friggin' clue because we never attended. Oh, so yeah. what ended up happening, never. We never went. Me and my dad refused to go. It was kind of like a big – we, we said, listen, we, it, it's a great story now. It was a funny story. But at the time, I mean, we were doing things. I mean, we were just setting the tone. Before the, you know, our inaugural season, going into the season, there was an owner's meeting, and uh, we didn't go. <laughs> and uh, the second time, we didn't go either. And I tell you, we drove Brussel crazy, the commissioner, and but we really had a good relationship. But I tell you, the more the we got more whining from other owners, obviously, than anything else. It, it wasn't really the league, you know. The league started noticing we were we were bringing a lot of attention to the league, so they, in a way, didn't mind. But um, oh god, we would get calls weekly about something we did or a complaint or something. It was it was wild, but. Truthfully, I don't – I could probably count on one hand how many people outside of the Danbury Trashers I spoke to involved in that league, whether from another team or, you know, the the front office of the league itself. I We just didn't 
listen, we played, we paid our league dues, we got our schedule, we showed up. That was it, and uh, it was us against the world. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, they can bitch about you all they want, but I'm sure you're the number one draw on the road. So I'm pretty sure they weren't upset oh, yeah. at the gate when Danbury showed up. So no, no, <laughs> no, and, and you know what? It was just, you know, it was we just people love to hate us, and um, you know that's what we were going for. And um, you know, it was just, it's just such a wild time to think about. It really is. Well, I'm just kind of looking at my Facebook in the comment section when I said I was going to have you on. Do you have any questions, old, uh, old T-Bone? Ask him about the time I taught him how to drive when he was 14 on Route 84 coming back from hockey camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tommy, T-Bone's a, he's good for shit like that. Excuse my language. He, uh, you know, I remember coming back from hockey camp and it was like a hundred degrees. I'll never forget it. And he told me to hop in. I ended up driving scared out of my mind because that's a highway and I didn't know what I was doing really. And, um, I remember about a mile away from my house, he told me to get out the car and switch. So I got out of the car and he, he popped the trunk and threw my hockey bag out, which is a thousand pounds. And I had to walk all the way home in the heat, like a mile away. I was so pissed at him, but, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, Tommy's a nut. Gotta love him. What a character. Um, somebody else asked me, ask him who the craziest off ice and on ice was that he ever witnessed. In terms of a player or yeah. like an incident? Or I would, I would a think player? player. Oh, man. Well, the craziest would be Chad Wagner, who got banned for life from the UHL when, you know, yeah. we brought him in and he attacked Mark Potvan, rest in peace. Uh, that guy... Man, I got to tell you, I knew something was off in the locker room when I I looked in his face, and you know sometimes you just see a guy and you know he's uh, he he he's he's trending on a different planet sometimes, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be an interesting night. Dumb, <laughs> um, it certainly was. We uh, we got in a lot of trouble that day. Uh, that yeah, I would say he was the craziest um, <laughs> pound for pound off the ice. I got to say, you know. Uh, I mean, he really off the ice didn't get in a lot of trouble at all. But Brad Wingfield, I mean, that's just a, not a guy you want to run into on the ice, on the street, wherever. Um, him and Jarrett Burnett, rest in peace. Those two were um, some tough characters. Well, yeah, and speaking of, I mean, you know, and of course the sad passing of Jarrett Burnett. Um, do you have any, what are your, what are your, you know, I mean, not to bring it down or anything, but I mean, just what are your, what are your memories of Jarrett? Well, Garrett, I got to tell you, he lived at my house for about a few months during yeah. the season that year. He he lived with me. I was at home, obviously, my mother, my father, my sister, myself. And I'll never forget this guy. I mean, he was built like a shit brick house. I mean, he came, he would come home, he'd come home. He would get, he would get to the house like late, like 11 o'clock at night and, um, he would come in with two, like these big rotisserie chickens you'd get at the grocery store. Yep. And I'm thinking he's going to share some of it. I mean, this guy would eat two of these things a night. I mean, I just, I don't know why I remember that, but I just remember vividly him coming home with these two rotisserie chickens, like footballs under his, you know, under his arms. He'd sit down, wouldn't offer me anything, of course, and he would just eat this thing with his hands, like both of them, almost to the bone. It was unreal how much that guy ate, and I mean, you know, obviously he's so big, and I mean, he would just eat like a, like a horse. It was unreal, and uh, 
you know, a lot of fun memories with the guys, not just him, even Winger. I, I hope he's listening because I told him every time I get a chance to plug it, I will. I used to make him whine like a little girl with video games. We'd play NHL, and uh, I would always beat him, and he'd cry. It's it's just something I always like to plug in in case he hears it. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I actually had Winger on the show. Uh, yeah, he was a great guest. and, uh, and Well, and it was funny because when I had Winger on the show, the documentary hadn't come out yet. So he told oh, a lot of the yeah, stories yeah. that were on the documentary, right? But I had a bunch of people yeah. after the interview was done, they're like, no, no, that didn't, you know. So then when the documentary yeah. came out, they're like, holy shit, yeah, there it is. No, it's true. I know. Yeah. That's, it's so, to this day, Darren, I got people who still think the documentary is fake. Yeah. There's people who are convinced that we were paid actors. Um, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> it's true, but... um. Yeah, Winger, I remember when he was rehabbing his broken leg that summer going into the second year, he he stayed in Connecticut. Um, everyone goes back home, obviously, and he lived with us for a little, you know, the, most of the summer. And, oh, I would beat him in NHL and on PlayStation all the time. He'd be whining and crying. And, uh, yeah, he, he was like a big brother. Yeah, no, when he was on, yeah, he told, he talked about that. And, uh, yeah, he had nothing but positive, obviously, for you and your dad and everybody there. So, yeah, no, he's a great yeah. guest. But, uh uh, well, a few more questions, then I'll get you going. But Phil wants to know, uh, I would like to know if he has any contenders or up-and-comers at his boxing gym, and does T-Bone still help out around the gym? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, T-Bone actually, he actually um, started his own business. He actually opened a cigar lounge um, about a half hour from Danbury in, in over in New York State. So I don't see him as much, but, of course, you know, we talk regularly and, um, yeah, believe it or not, I mean, we, we do have some, you know, Danbury guys that are, um, you know, slowly starting to make their way up the ranks. I, I got a kid, um, he's a 140 pounder. Um, he's 11 and one named Omar Bordoy. Um, we call him Bam Bam. He's, uh, he's on his way up for sure. A lot of young amateurs and, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're starting to get, um, fighters from all over that like want to do their training camps in Danbury which is kind of cool so we always got some sort of action going on and uh you know boxing's a grind it's like anything else but uh we we got some guys coming down the pipeline for sure well and just to stick with boxing I mean I have to ask you of course what do you think of the whole Paul brothers thing Jake Paul and Logan what what, what do you think about that what I think about that, I'll be honest with you, I think they're geniuses, and I think boxing is their own worst enemy. Um, let me put it to you this way, Darren. When I got into boxing 11 years ago, I didn't grow up a boxing fan. I never boxed personally. How I was able to finagle my way into the sport of boxing, boxing is just, you talk about like open borders. They let anyone in, um, and boxing has done it to itself, frankly. They've allowed... Um, well, what I tell people honestly is boxing Boxing is business first, sport later. Uh, you know, most sports, you know, all sports professionally, you know, obviously it's a business. But, you know, the goal is to win. The goal is to win the Stanley Cup, right? The goal is to win the World Series. That's the ultimate goal. Where boxing, nobody even cares about world titles anymore. It's sad. All they care about is um, views, entertainment, you know, promoters – they don't care if, if you can't fight. If if you can draw a million views, they're going to put you on the show. Um, what I will say about Jake Paul, I don't know much about Logan Paul, but what I will say for Jake Paul is I do know guys personally in his camp that, you know, 
kind of help out with training and stuff. And they say, listen, AJ, you know, the kid, he takes it serious. Um, is he going to be a world champion? Probably not. But he takes it serious. He works hard. But you know what? He um, he has an audience. And for better or worse, he, he's kind of a villain. And people want to see him lose. So uh, not much different than what Floyd Mayweather did, to be honest with you. And um, so I say God bless him. Hope maybe they can skate. Let's bring them to Ice Wars, maybe. You never know. Yeah. Well, I always say with the Paul brothers, I said, I, I'm i like, they got to, I'm like, I don't know. You guys got to, they got to work something. I think you got to do a little wrestling. You got to be a little work here because I think the worst thing that could happen is them to lose. They got to keep winning <laughs> to keep this shit going. Well, no, 100%. I mean, eventually, eventually, I'm sure Jake, you know, and I, and I happen to, I don't know the kid personally, but I don't know the stuff about him. I always am drawn to people that everyone seems to dislike. I, I kind of like him. I, I think he's got a good pair of balls on him. I think um, what's going to eventually happen, Darren, is he's going to bite off a little bit more than he could chew one day. And, you know, he'll get rocked eventually. But, um, you know, he, hey, listen, like I said, the promoters, they just, listen, if you draw them money, they'll they'll keep giving you the opportunity. So we'll um, we'll see what happens with them. But God bless them. And, uh, listen, boxing does it to itself. Oh, I know. I mean, how many federations like Alphabet Soup with the belts? It's just like WBC, WBA, ABC. It's like, what is going on here? You know. Listen, but, I, I'm in. I'm in the business every day. I mean, that's my bread and butter. My headquarters is my boxing job. I deal with boxing every day. And when I tell you, people don't even know. People in the business don't even know what's going on. So how could fans? You know what I mean? Like, how do you expect fans to know what's going on if you know people legit in the business don't? I mean, we don't even know half the time why guys are ranked where they are or this and that. it's it's just it's craziness yeah i mean i know we could go on for hours about this but just for if just to suck is there actually like you there's no coming like boxing just can't come back like there's nothing they can do to fix this is there other than just blow it all uh, up and... no you, you no you listen the, the reality is i don't think boxing will ever die i just think they're so grandfathered into society um and you know what, especially with the fact that countries like Mexico, um, Puerto Rico, you know, Ireland, the UK, boxing is a major, major sport for them. Yep. So the reality is all those guys' dream is to come to America to fight. So I don't think, I don't think boxing will ever die. The, the, the problem is it's so far gone. Like, it'll never be what it was, obviously. And um, I just think it's one of those things where there's, there's so many easy fixes to make it better. But it's just, it's a good old boys club, unfortunately. And uh, guys, are, you know, there, there's a group, you know, there's specific people making money. And that's who kind of makes the things happen, just like any other business. But I don't know. I just think boxing is, um, it'll never die. It's always going to be there, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Yep, absolutely. Um, well, one last one, um, and I know uh, it, it, it got brought up a couple times, and uh, I think you and I were arguing with the guy on Twitter about it, but it was like uh, a, a bunch of people kind of whined about synthetic, the synthetic ice, and are they ever going to go to sure. real ice and blah, blah, blah. Is is it always going to be on synthetic, or would you like to see it move to real ice? One million percent, it's going to be a, a mixture of both. Uh, again, it's going to kind of be on a, an event-by-event event basis, um, and I agree with that fan, you know, I didn't grow up, you know, when I grew up playing hockey, um, you know, we didn't have synthetic ice. So when we invested in it, 
it was a it's a great concept, and I think it's going to pay off for us long term why we did it. But I agree. Um, you know what? It, it has to be on real ice as well. But the the beauty about the synthetic icing is a few things. Number one, we're mobile. We can go just about anywhere because there's locations we want to go to. That listen, we're trying to grow. We're trying to start small. You know, we can't go to a big three thousand seat you know ice hockey arena right now. Maybe we could in certain circumstances or territories. But right now we're trying to, like boxing, start on the underground club shows where you whole, you know, you have a thousand people and you throw that ice down and, um, you know, that flooring down. You could go just about anywhere. And uh, the main thing that concerned me was what the guys were going to think about it. And actually, on my flight to Edmonton, I was, I couldn't even rest because I was just like, oh God, I hope this flooring's okay for these guys. And I got to tell you, I think you saw it firsthand. You know, the day before, guys were testing it out, and they loved it. They were like, wow, this is like, I mean, a bunch of the guys ordered it after the show. They got it uh, They got it in their basements, their garages, their homes. They're training on it now. So so overall, it was a success. But I agree. Um, we, we, we will eventually, you know, it's a case-by-case basis. You know, we might do some small shows on that synthetic ice, and we obviously want to get to the real ice as well. So it kind of will be a mixture of both. Yeah, well, and it's funny because every guy I've talked, I had on the show after and I talked to at the event, every one of them said that the synthetic ice they had trained on, the stuff you guys had was way better. Like they really yeah, liked I mean, it. We, so. we, yeah, we did a lot of research and I give our partner Charlie um, all the credit because he was like, look, we're going to invest in this. And I was a little unsure about it, but I'm like, hey, you know what? It makes sense concept wise because... Um, Listen, we may go to a big area, a big casino that doesn't have ice. And, you know, we, we want to be able to have the flexibility to kind of go where we can. And, um, you know, but ultimately, it, it take business out of it. Ultimately, if the guys hated it, then we'd have to make the adjustments. But they all seem to love it. And, uh, you know, thankfully. But, no, I agree with that, Finn. I, I do think, um, you know, we, we definitely will be on real ice. Just, you know, event by event basis. There you go. Well, one last oh comment. Oh, Pete says in your merchandise you got to get hats. Get some Ice Wars hats. <laughs> Thousand percent. We're getting there. We're. I couldn't agree more on that either. And as a matter of fact, you be uh, Trasher hats. I just realized the other day we've never done a Trasher hat since this documentary came out. I'm a moron. So he's right, Pete. We're definitely gonna get some Ice Wars and Trasher hats coming soon. Well, there we go. All right, man. Well, like I said, I won't, I, I've kept you long enough. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, uh, and thank you very much for, for, hey, creating ice wars again and giving us fight fans, uh, a whole new, uh, tournament to, uh, to cheer for. And, uh, I, I was at the first one and loved it and met you and it was, uh, you know, and, and you were, you know, uh, gracious with your time there in Edmonton and, uh, looking forward to seeing you here in a week. So. Yeah, looking forward to it, pal. Thanks for the time, and uh, yeah, always available for you guys. Hey, excellent. I appreciate it. All right, AJ, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. You too, buddy. Talk soon. Absolutely. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 